It's completely bollock naked. What seems to be the problem? Oh, well, uh, my toe here really. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joel. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And our Halloween Horror Month has concluded. And just like a carved and decorated pumpkin, it's now just a distant and rotten memory. Seriously though, if you haven't checked out our Halloween Horror Month series, please do so because you won't be disappointed. But Halloween may be over. But we will keep plowing on as today we put Free Guy on trial. Is it an RPG or FML? F- that's an abbreviation, isn't it? F- it FML? is. Or is it FML? Anyway, <laughs> essentially, will this film be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list? Now, before we go on, our last film on trial was Don't Look Now. Ozzy, you judged that trial and deemed that it should be placed on the hit list. You've since gone away and watched the film, so did you make the right call or not? Yeah, you know, I think I did. I think it has dated, though, to be honest. Just because of, like, the thing, the sound, I think as Joel said, it raised it a little bit, is that the, the audio didn't seem to have been updated mm. with the video, like, remaking. But, yeah, it was uh, even kind of knowing what the surprise was as well at the end. I think it was uh, it's still really effective, and it's, it's well shot. The, the imagery, like you said, it's uh, a lot of good symbolism. I'm glad I watched it, but yeah, another one that I'm not going to go back to. Creepy <laughs> things like that are not my sort of, uh, not my bag, but it's a very good film. Yeah. Thanks, Ozzy. I did like Alex's text afterwards when he was like, fair play to Joel for criticizing <laughs> one of Gav's favorite films whilst defending another one of Gav's favorite films and he couldn't say anything about either of them. <laughs> it, was, it was incredible just to see your face just like you look like you're about to pop at certain points. <laughs> <laughs> I could just feel my eyeball twitching and I'm like, well, that can't be good. <laughs> I would like as well to put on record as an apology to Joel. And this may be the only time that I ever apologize to him. But at the beginning of Halloween Horror Month, I did give him shit for always picking safe Halloween options. But I definitely think he was the most riskier of, of all yeah, of us here. He definitely. definitely. Yeah, because, I mean, like, what, what did we go for? Like, a horror classic in a nightmare, uh, <laughs> like a, a nightmare on Elm Street. And then, Alex, yours was Night of the Hunter. The Hunter. <laughs> Don't look now. <laughs> like, you guys picked, like, probably three of the most recognizable <laughs> and best horror films of all time. I mean, mine was still pretty decent. I mean, although it was a bit like Marmite, at least it was like, I'd say, a very popular British horror film. But Joel, fair play, man, balls to the wall. But, well, um, at least you didn't pick, like, you know, just some random garbage out of your bargain bin collection. Again. <laughs> and, and now I'm going to take that apology right back. You know what I mean? Easy come, easy go. <laughs> now, before we push on, just a reminder to check out next week's episode because it will be our 200th episode. Wow, can you believe we've been doing this for 200? I was going to say years. It feels yes. like 200 years. <laughs> 200 hours. Can you believe that? 200 hours. Well, we're going to try and do something a little special to celebrate this occasion. That will mainly be that we'll probably just get together and actually record the episode in the room for the first time since COVID. Uh, maybe we'll get a little junk while we're doing it as well. But we're going to put the Bond film No Time to Die on trial. There'll be a very fun and interesting quiz and perhaps we'll invite a couple of guests along as well. So do check it out. Now, anyway, on to this trial. 
Now, all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random, so acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on their hit list will be me and Joel. Now, Joel is just like Gordon Freeman from Half-Life. I've gone with game characters, by the way, you guys. Uh, so Joel is just like Gordon Freeman from Half-Life. I, I think I already know what you're going to say. Probably something about me not speaking much. Uh, no, I wasn't actually, but I'll, I'll add that onto it. I was going to say <laughs> a beardy, bespectacled nerd. Uh, but then I can say, no, I was going to say, who doesn't speak that much? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, and I'm just like Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm very cocky and I'm closely associated with a giant ring. And oh, come on. <laughs> that was actually very good, wasn't it? I know, I know. But instead of laughing, you've all just kind of put your heads in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Which means I was very close, if not uh, exceeded passing the line there. <laughs> so, acting as prosecution trying to get this film placed on the shit list will be Dave and Alex. And Dave is just like Donkey Kong. Very good at tying a tie, not so good at putting pants on. <laughs> and uh, Alex is a little bit like Lara Croft I think I started this one with the intention of making it an insult but I've just left the good bit in so I've just said he's able to teach us all about history, geography and classical civilizations and that's it <laughs> I, I thought he was just going to say he's got massive tits yeah and, and he looks good in a tube top <laughs> and he's not very nice to butlers as well especially elderly ones <laughs> Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. Now, this week, Ozzy will be playing the most important role, as he will be playing that of the judge, and he has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him and not using his own opinion. And Ozzy is just like Super Mario, an overall-wearing mushroom-eating guy who's associated with bad driving and a very hungry pet. Mm. Uh, <laughs> now, is, is Yoshi Mario's pet? I, I, I never know. You know, it's, it's like a big hungry dog, isn't he? Who didn't he shank him in the film? He, Mario, Mario didn't, didn't shank him. him. I mean, <laughs> that, that would have Sorry. been a turn out of the blue. <laughs> I know Bob Hoskins was having a particularly rough time making the film, but I don't think he was close to shanking Yoshi. <laughs> Before we get started, I think we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the lovely Wheel of Impressions. And that has landed on Joel. So how would we like Joel to read out the synopsis of the film? Is there even anything like... That sticks out? Uh, I mean, just a video game character. Could do yeah. that, or Taika Waititi's probably got the most distinctive accent going That's in the true. cast. Okay, yeah, why don't you speak as a really distinctive video game character? So, yeah, maybe who said Mario? Mario. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, this, this could be like either considered offensive or racist. So. I, I think it'll be a bit of both, to be honest. <laughs> and Taylor discovers that he's actually an NPC inside a brutal open-world video game. <laughs> not, not <laughs> yeah it was a pretty all right man yeah so yeah without further hesitation Ozzy would you like to please kick off proceedings I mean it sounds relatively similar to uh, just off that alone through work oh, go on Gav you got your hand up straight away go on no I was just saying that no no I'd like to dispute what you're saying <laughs> it doesn't sound like that at all <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like maybe a modern retelling of the Truman Show, but um, hopefully the defense will um, 
will will give me a proper overview and just highlight a few of the bits which make me uh, should make me go and watch this. Yeah, well, I, I do think it's a little bit like the Truman Show, to be honest, like a modern retelling of it. And you don't have to go anywhere, obviously, because it's now live on Disney Plus, so you can watch it from the comfort of your own chair right after the recording of this episode. But in case you missed Joel's <laughs> summary there, there is Mario accents. The plot centers on Guy, who's played by Ryan Reynolds, a mild-mannered bank teller who lives in Free City, which is like this vibrant and brutal place, a bit like something out of game, um, Grand Theft Auto or Fortnite. So guys, every day is spent getting robbed and or beaten up, but that's essentially just how it is. That's it. That's his life. Up until one day, Guy meets and falls in love with Molotov Girl, who is Jodie Comer, who reveals that he's actually a non-playable character inside an elaborate open-world video game so from there on, Guy evolves, he becomes sentient, he decides to become his own hero and make his own story, and he starts carrying out acts of good in Free City and changing people's hearts and minds about non-playable characters and user behavior in video games. At the same time, in the real world, there's this frantic race against time by as Molotov Gale, who's actually played by Millie, that's her real-life persona, and her former friend and business partner, Keys, try and stop the megalomaniac creator of Free City, Antoine, from erasing the game and killing Guy. So, you know, video game adaptations or movies centered on video games can be difficult to sell. You know, we've done several of them on this podcast before, and more often than not, they are misses than they are hits. And I think a lot of that comes down to alienating certain groups or demographics. You either sort of disenfranchise existing fans of the game by changing the original content, or you exclude newcomers by making it too faithful and too sort of like in-jokey. But what Free Guy does really well here is it walks a tightrope of appeasing two sets of contrasting viewers, gamers and non-gamers alike. It transports us to this bustling virtual world and introduces us to avatars and non-playable characters, but takes the time to actually explain what an NPC and a skin is without being too condescending or using too much expository dialogue. For example, right, there's a joke about avatars and their users being vastly different, and that can be appreciated by non-gamers because it's demonstrated through a meek and nerdy boy using Chan and Tatum as his online character. And it doesn't all just take place in the virtual world as well. There's a parallel storyline that takes place in the real world where Millie believes that the codes that Hare and Keys used to create their indie game Free Life was stolen by Antoine. And she is trying to prove that by scouring the game to find evidence, all while Antoine is slowly trying to cover his tracks and delete the game. And it, you know, it provides a human element to the film for non-gamers to relate to as well, that familiar feeling of somebody stealing your shit, one that I'm all too familiar with as I regularly steal other people's shit all the time. Also, I think it's easy to embrace this virtual world and the characters within because the actors portraying them are so engaging and charming. You've got a stellar list of fun and funny actors just having a really good time and bringing their characters to life because of it. And I may be wrong, but I don't think there were massive stakes involved in this movie. It's not like an MCU film or something similar like Fast and the Furious, where it needs to make X million dollars or, you know, within X amount of weeks or it's seen as a dismal failure. And because of that, I think it was a more relaxed and fun movie. The director, the writer, the stars, they all appear to be having a lot of fun. They appear to be given a lot of creative freedom. And it's resulted in this really engaging and energetic action comedy that can be appreciated by a broad section of people. Okay, that's a really nice summary. Um, somebody from the prosecution want to shut it down? 
how dare you? <laughs> you know, I, I'd agree with uh, some of what Gav was saying there. I'd say he sort of uh, brought up something quite important, which is where he says like the narrative sort of diverges. And it goes into a lot of the, the first half of the film is about Ryan Reynolds' character Guy coming to grips with, you know, the world, this free work, free city that he lives in. And then realising that it's a game and starting to do good. And, and that's quite interesting. And his character, you know, that, that that's doing something interesting. But then the problem is then you have this like real world where you have Taika Waititi as Antoine and Joe Keery as Keys. And you have that narrative going on where you have the, you know, Taika Waititi has stolen the code and hidden it in and they've got to save Free City. So actually you sort of go away from what you've spent the first half of the film is with Ryan Reynolds, which really, if you watch the, if you're looking at the film and you're looking at the cover, you're going like, great, a Ryan Reynolds vehicle. And he's doing a fine job. He's a bit Ryan, Ryan Reynolds-y, if I'm honest. There's like little character and there's more just, just Ryan Reynolds. But then the second half of the film, he's sort of a little bit relegated just through the story. So you don't really get what you're expecting from the film and you end up sort of going through a bunch of stuff that you have to for the story that no one really wants to sit through, really. And, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not saying Joe Keery doesn't do a good job, but it's not really what you wanted the film to be. And it's a bit disappointing, I think, as you're watching it, because you think, no, go back to that interesting bit about Guy dealing with the being in a video game world. So, you know, a lot of what Gav said was true there, but I'd say that... First half much stronger than the second, and and a little bit, you feel a little bit cheated. I think by the second half of this film. Okay, anyone got anything to add to that? Uh, Dave, Joel. Uh, I agree with Alex. To be honest with you, I think the novelty does wear off. There is a novelty factor when you start. You know, this is a different sort of film than we're used to seeing. But yeah, that does wear a little thin by the time the second half is coming along. And yeah, that is that does become a bit of a problem. I grew quite tired of the real world antics pretty quickly to be honest with you because it was you know they're talking about Taika Waititi stealing these independent um, game producers idea and stealing their copyright and what have you and it's kind of like, oh big corporations are bad and it's like this is a Disney movie is it not and it's like one of the biggest corporations <laughs> in entertainment um, and they remind you of the fact that it's a Disney movie what I was gonna say Dave let's not forget it was originally a Fox vehicle before Disney as well so you've <laughs> well, there you got you go. as well <laughs> I hope I hope the irony was not lost on the writers is all I'm gonna say and it does kind of they do shoehorn in a few Disney moments like when he's uh, there's a scene at the end where Ryan Reynolds's character guy is fighting a dude who Taika Waititi like creates and programs as kind of a buff version of Ryan Reynolds designed purely to kick the shit out of the regular <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Um, and there's a steam race fighting dude and he pulls out a lightsaber and the Star Wars music kicks off and then he pulls out Captain America's shield. And it's like, oh, Disney are really like, they're just using this for free marketing at this point. And that fight, you know, this is supposed to be the big fight at the end of the, the film was just a bit, lackluster and i think if they'd spent a bit more time actually like choreographing something decent there and maybe even putting some real jokes in instead of just shoehorning in a few you know self-congratulatory references they could have been onto something but as it is yeah the second half just sort of ebbs away uh joel what, what about you i'm assuming you're gonna disagree with that and maybe uh maybe yeah, say like that the I... second half is still as good but they are kind of two quite contrasting styles really you have like the inside the video game story and then you have the outside of the video game story but they're both so intertwined that i think they're both equally interesting for example things that happen in the real world are going to directly impact the fate of ryan reynolds's character which is really what you care about but i think that 
like certainly as a gamer for me like the visuals in this film were just absolutely amazing especially in like the gamer world like they have they kind of use this prop as like sunglasses and when guy puts on these sunglasses he can see all the gamer tools if you like it like the equivalent of like a mini map or something in gta and like when you see like the the little health packs and things like that on the street like there's a bit where like he he's injured and then he walks over a health pack and he's like wow i feel really good now and all that type of stuff so there's there's just so many like little references and things like that to games that anybody for a similar age to us or you know even a lot younger will just be like absolutely buzzing off this film because it, it's never been done before in in film so i think just seeing that kind of visual aspect of of games like kind of coming to life was just like so appealing to to myself that even though the story is excellent just you know i was glued to the screen just to see what would happen next from that aspect you know where they would take it inside the game world and then obviously you've got all the things going on with the characters as well but for me that was kind of like the biggest appeal the fact that it's like this open world sandbox and you know it's in inside a game world which is just a really interesting idea i think so while the story you know you could argue the real world isn't as isn't as exciting as the game world it's never going to be as it's so but as i say at the start they're both equally as important as each other go and go for a little one yeah i will just say that the real world element adds the stakes as well because if it was all centered on ryan reynolds's character kind of figuring out who he is and growing and developing i think it might become a little bit stilted we've got the real world aspect where the game is going to be deleted because of you know the reasons that alex mentioned before and that adds this sort of added pressure the race against the clock that they need to actually find the proof that antoine stole the formula stole the code from this indie game and stop him from actually deleting Free City altogether so it doesn't delete Guy, kill Guy, this sentient character, and also delete the evidence of the original code as well. So it's like an added element. It's not like a kind of like we've got one story and then that stops, and then we've got another story. The two of them work well. I think they, they work on parallels, you know, interwining until the, the end of the film. How's, how's that handled sort of uh, visually, you know, because I assume the gaming world, is that like CGI or is that? I, I, I think it's really well done, to be honest. I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot of CGI in a film. Creating a virtual world could be quite difficult without it. But I don't think that it's too over the top. You know me, I don't really like CGI overuse. And I think there's a nice balance between the scenes in Free City and the real world. And even many Free City scenes are grounded in that they use practical, tangible sets and props at times, like, you know, it, the bank and the coffee house and his apartments. It's very entertaining. There's a lot of well-filmed and choreographed action and adventure, including like high-speed car chases whilst the city is collapsing due to the code being deleted in the real world. And there's, there's a lot of fun to be had with characters using or figuring out how to use in-game weapons, characteristics, skills and cheats, as, as Joel mentioned before there as well. You know, obviously there's the scenes in the city uh, can be a bit cgi heavy but even though there's this big brass sort of bombastic virtual world you're not constantly losing focus looking around the screen playing spot the reference you know i watched space jam 2 recently and there was just large portions of that where i wasn't paying a single bit of attention to what whatever the characters were saying because i was too busy focusing on what the fuck was going on in the background and like I would argue that what Dave said before, I don't think that's the case. I think there's a lot of fun cameos and Easter eggs throughout that both gamers and non-gamers can appreciate. For example, there's cameos from Twitch streamers, 
and the gun from Portal being used. And there's also references to Marvel, Star Wars, Ryan Reynolds, Aviation Jane. Oh, yeah, and, and then there's like sort of this cameos as well, like from Channing Tatum and, you know, the Jeopardy host Alex Trebek. And there's also subtle cameos as well, like from Tina Fey, John Krasinski, Hugh Jackman and Dwayne Johnson. And it doesn't feel like they're ever pulling focus away from what's happening on the screen. Sean Levy has had a lot of experience with these big family blockbuster films that use a lot of CGI from Real Steel to Night at the Museum. So he knows how to pack a punch, have action, adventure, CGI explosions, whatever you want to have in it. But at the center of it, he has these really well-written and likable characters that the audience can really get behind. And, you know, that's in absolute abundance here. I saw your hand go up a couple of times there, uh, Alex. Yeah, talk about the CGI, just because that is like quite a, an important part of the film. And, you know, I'd, I'd say that there are parts that are done that's like, you know, done quite well. I, I like that, you know, the good CGI is when it's just he's walking down a street and you see like a car go zoom past and it's like a car crash or helicopter through. That that's done well, you know. I don't I don't think you could argue with it. You know, it's big budget and and it and it's ready to go. But the big set pieces, I would say, so especially like when we're looking at the finale, when he's driving a car through a city that's dissolving, and it's like the, you know, and then someone's starting to change the code. So then a ramp appears out of nowhere. The buildings are starting to push in together. Then you are it does start to feel a bit, you know, that sort of Ready Player One feeling of like oh over just your head starts to explode a little bit and it's like this is over cgi'd dave's spot on when he said before that the finale is a bit of a damp squib as well because he has this not very well choreographed fight where they are making references very safe references in within the disney empire i mean what else to call it at this point like within you know the, the, the disney stable and then <laughs> the end bit is he's just running across like a cgi bridge he's just running across a cgi bridge and it's it's just boring do you know what i mean there's no there's no other way to say it. it's just ryan reynolds running across a bridge that's clearly and i know it's in a game so you're not thinking oh this isn't a real bridge and I, I know that but it's just not a very interesting way of using it so there's little bits that are great in the CGI and it's like little snapshots and stuff. But I'd say some of the biggest set pieces, you do start to get that sort of like headache, headache in the center where you're just like, I don't really know what's going on and I don't really care. I can see that they're probably going to crash through the buildings at the last minute and land on a beach. But, you know, it, it, it just it's too much CGI to really follow. Uh, did, they, did they capture the um, the gaming world? Is it really obvious that you're in the gaming world and it's kind of well done in that sense. The, the defense had a, quite a few arguments there that it's got a lot for anyone, casual gamers and, and hardcore gamers alike and, and just, the, you know, the general audience. But do they capture the gaming world and the stuff Joel was saying? Do you think that's well well managed? Yeah, I mean, I, I do like playing games and they've, they've, pitched, they've pitched some stuff really well. Like, it's quite fun. And especially like the sort of the casual violence that goes on and you have people you know someone you know someone's on fire and guy helps him by putting him out and then he runs off saying thank you and he's just shot three times by someone else who runs past and then there's a thing in games where you teabag which is just like you just lean over and do that and you know it's like oh that is that is quite well observed so yeah i'd say in that respect and like that's what i mean about you know those little snapshots of cgi that's good and that's well used and that does observe the gaming world right it's just overwhelmed at times with the the other cgi and that's the as an action film you're more looking towards those big set pieces the, the little incidental cgi is great and it's like funny and stuff but the big stuff when it's, it goes full cgi it's too much 
And Dave, I'm uh, just going to say about the uh, Gav reeled off a huge list of cameos and characters, and you're usually uh, a good go-to for there, just as a bit of a contrast. So, I mean, Gav's saying that they don't they don't detract in any real way from the uh, from the main story, and they're just well used, nice like Easter eggs almost, true cameos in that sense. How did you feel for you? I'll Disney? be honest with you, I don't think I was paying enough attention because I didn't notice half of those. No joke, I did not. You know, because, I did not spot they were, very subtly. They were very subtle. I did not notice Hugh Jackman. I did not notice Dwayne Johnson. I did not notice the majority of the names. I spotted Chris Evans. Mm -hmm. I spotted his cameo, but uh, no, a lot of those cameos completely passed me by. You know, maybe it's like you know Daniel Craig as a stormtrooper in Star Wars. You know, yeah. unless you like really, unless you know it's him, you're not going to know it. Maybe it's that kind of cameo, but uh, they passed me by genuinely. So I wouldn't actually. Yeah. Okay. And there was much of an attribute to that, uh, cameo-wise. Okay, well, I think that's not 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 necessarily a bad thing. Um, and then there was a bit of a mention. There's been a few mentions throughout, you know, and it's obviously it's a Ryan Reynolds film in the most part. Mm -hmm. Is it funny, or is it is he turning into Will Ferrell? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the caricature of himself. Oh dear. Um, a little. He's he's on that path a little, to be honest with you. I, I like Ryan Reynolds, I really do. Uh, but this is a bit Deadpool light at times. You know, you've got his narration. Now he he's, he doesn't break the fourth wall and speak directly to the audience, but he does narrate. You know, a bit. It reminded me of Lego Movie a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, you got the main character kind of narrating the start of his life and whatever. Yeah. And he, it, you got a bit of that. So it is a little. Yeah, like I say, Deadpool light in a way, but the humor, it, there's a couple of flashes of it, but it's not as funny as I think it should have been. And this is very much a Ryan Reynolds vehicle insofar as, you know, he produced it. He, he got this up off the ground. He's playing the lead. Um, and it's just really relying on his bankability. Of course, his gin gets a mention and a, uh, gets some marketing there. Yeah. It's his likability is what they're counting on here to sell the film. And I wish they spent a bit more time working on that script to really, well, either work on the script and give him some key written lines that he could, he's more than capable of delivering, or maybe back off a bit and let him go off piste and let him improvise a bit more because he's good at that as well. Uh, instead, what you got is something that's quite mild, really, on the terms of comedy. A couple of good moments, but for the most part, it's not as cutting uh, edge as we, we know Ryan Reynolds to be. He can be funnier than this. Okay, uh, Joel, you did. You seem to you seem to genuinely enjoy it. Did you think it was funny throughout, or? or? Um, yeah, it's more in the little moments. You know, I think that that moment that Alex actually mentions was a perfect example where you know Ryan Reynolds' character saves somebody only to see him like get shot three times, like you know a split second later. It's just little moments like that, really, that that kind of stand out as more memorable. Obviously, Dave said it's kind of Deadpool light, and he does have that kind of wise cracking. Um, you know, attitude that, that Deadpool has. But overall, I just wanted to speak about the emotional aspect or the character aspect. Um, so you've got like Ryan Reynolds, who plays Guy. Then you've got like his love interest, which is Jodie Cora, who's Millie or Molotov girl. Uh, and then Ryan Reynolds' best friend is, is called Buddy in the game. Um, and he actually starts to develop a human side as well, the, the more the kind of story goes on. And actually, at the end, he you know sacrifices himself so that guy can say free free world. So the, there's just loads of like little intertwined personal collections, personal sorry connections, both within the game world and then outside of the game world. You've got kind of like a love interest as well between Jodie Comer and Joe Keery, who plays the, the the actual developer of the game. 
Um, and you never really know kind of which way it's going to go because Ryan Reynolds is really kind of in love with with Molotov Girl, but obviously he's the computerized character and, you know, that could never work type of thing. But at the back of your mind, you kind of want it to. And I think in a lot of typical movies, they would have just found a way to make that romance work. But it doesn't here. And it ends up that, you know, Ryan Reynolds is just kind of kind of put aside at the end. He He's done his bit. You know, he's saved the, the game world. And actually, uh, Jodie Comer realizes at the end that, you know, the person that she's in love with is is Joe Keery. So I think there's kind of really nice human connections all, all the way through this film. And although there is a lot of like, you know, kind of not serious stuff that happens with the games and all that type of stuff, underlying like emotional aspects to this film are just really good. Okay. Uh, Gav, you got your, your finger up as the little one and then we'll pass it over to the prosecution to, uh, to yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd just like to just agree with what Joel was saying. I think that, that okay, it is... Okay, well done. <laughs> <laughs> go on, but, go on, carry on. No, I, I think that it, it is very funny in the smaller aspects of it. You know, as, as Joel was saying, there's little bits throughout. You know, there's a bit where a bank robber comes in and, and a guy accidentally shoots him. And uh, he's, he's like, oh, the guy's lying on the floor. And he's like, oh, he's just resting. And, and his mate's like, in pieces, that man's dead. The guy's <laughs> like, no, he's just very sleepy. You know, there's just lots of little funny bits of dialogue here and there where I think that Ryan Reynolds is, is uh, Im- improvising. I think, like, the interactions between him and Lil uh, Rel Harry is, is just very, very funny. I think Taika Waititi as well, his character, all of his dialogue is very superb. It doesn't have to be a very funny film. It doesn't have to be like laugh a minute. It's not a comedy. It's more like a sort of action family film. It reminds me a lot of like Nights at the Museum. There's, there's certain aspects in that same bit of dialogue and interactions, which are very funny. But at the end of the day, it's this fantasy action film for all the family. And that, that I think, is what uh, Free Guy is all about as well. But just to add to what Joel was saying as well, I, yeah, I think that that's that, that's something that's unique about this film is that there is that really sweet element that's underlying it. There's this really nice part at the very end where Millie is, she's sort of torn, you know, like her her game has been saved. She's been able to set up the the game and now it's getting lots of followers. And she talks to Guy for like the final time. And he says, you know, I love you. Now, maybe this is just my programming talking, but guess what? Somebody wrote that program. I'm just a love letter to you. Somebody somewhere out there is the actual author. And I think that's a really nice line. And the fact that that's her, as Joel said, their spark, a realization that, oh, you know, the person who actually loved, the one I've been having feelings for all this time, isn't this non-playable character. It's the person who wrote it, the person who sat opposite me. It's keys. That sounds uh, sweet. Almost, almost saccharine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> either one of you dave alex who wants to have a little come back on a few of those points go on alex i'd just say that the the story like the sort of the emotional core of the story is a little undermined by what i started off speaking about which is that you start off the film as ryan reynolds and then you're sort of looking at joe keery so it's which one am i looking at really which one is the one that's the love interest with jodie coma which one am i actually invested in and you know that that that's just a problem with the the story, really. I'd also say, you know, and I know I like I love Ryan Reynolds, and you know he's he's very fun to watch, but he, he does he is sort of developing a bit of a shtick, you know, and it, and it's a good shtick, it's fantastic shtick. But I'd say that the character of Guy uh, is quite it's it's it sort of requires a character, and you can't really watch Free Guy without thinking this is just Ryan Reynolds being Ryan Reynolds. You know, he's doing that stuff, and it's a great line when he's saying like, you know, no, he's just he's just sleeping, he's just resting. 
But you sort of you sort of flip between, oh yeah, he's this character guy, and no, it's Ryan Reynolds. And no, he's this character guy, and actually no, it's Ryan Reynolds. And you know, when he's been Ryan Reynolds, it's really funny, but it sometimes is at the expense of the character that he is playing. And I, I'd say that this does sort of impact a little bit on the emotional core of a story because you're not so invested in Guy because you're just watching him being Ryan Reynolds and, you know, having a bit of a laugh. So, yeah, that, that that's my main issue. I would say, you know, there are elements of, you know, there's, there's an emotional story going on, but it's a little bit it's a little bit jumbled because you're not quite sure quite where your attention should be. And at times you're thinking, where's Joe Keery and what's he up to while you're with Ryan Reynolds? And then when you're with Ryan, you know, Ryan Reynolds, you're sort of wondering, hang on a minute, what's going on in the real world? So it gets a bit jumbled. Okay, yeah. So like you're having an affair, Alex. I wish. With who? <laughs> Joe Keery or Ryan Reynolds? Both. So yeah, you, but that, that time you're spending with Ryan Reynolds, all the time you're thinking about Joe Keery. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, it strikes me... It's just, the thing that came into my head there when you're talking about playing like just people playing their own characters and that's why i think that's where i was worried about with the will ferrell thing but almost the same with like the adam sandler thing that no matter what film they end up in are they the same character in it so gav um let you come back on that can Listen, you <laughs> move beyond it being ryan reynolds and enjoy it as a character yeah yeah let's not forget that adam sandler has lots of variety he plays the really stupid character and then he also plays the really angry character so you know <laughs> get off his fucking back has he ever done both at the same time yeah yeah multiple yeah, times yeah, many Ooh, a time. really so oh that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's it uh so yeah no i you know I, I i i love ryan reynolds to be honest i think he's he's got really broad appeal as well and you know i will admit what alex says one criticism is that maybe uh, he is sometimes too sarcastic or in on the joke and he plays a similar character. But, you know, I mean, so does it do to a lot of people. You know, Dwayne Johnson, Will Ferrell, you mentioned too, that, well, I mean, you've mentioned before. Yeah, um, wait a minute. Are you saying that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is not a versatile actor that could do many different roles? I, I mean, like, he, he could, but uh, I think maybe he's, li- he's limited by his size. <laughs> he couldn't play Napoleon, let's say. <laughs> I would love to see that. I would, fucking, I would well, love to see that. Between the rock bottle, between the rock, between the rock Johnson playing Toulouse Lautrec. <laughs> I I would pay to see that. To be fair. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that like he's a likable, charming actor that a lot of people like, and. You know, we go and see films with with actors who essentially play different versions of themselves time time again. Even especially like actors like you know Robert De Niro, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Julia Roberts. Essentially, you know, they have started to play like very similar versions of, of characters in films time and time again. It's just it's it's comforting, and I, I, but I I will agree with slightly with what Dave was saying. But flip it and put it in more in a positive light. I think that it is a bit like a Deadpool light here. You know, he's got a bit of his trademark Deadpool deadpan snarky humor, but he's showing a really lighter side as well to possibly reach a younger audience. The character I think is actually really well written. I think it starts off as a non playable character, so it could have been quite difficult to actually relate to. But, you know, as he grows and as he's been able to develop, um, we, we, we're we there for the, the growth and the development. And we build a real connection with him and we get genuinely invested in his well-being. 
you know, we find out later on, as as Joel said, that um, the the guy is who he is. He has all of his tra- traits and his likes, and he falls in love with Molotov Girl because he's been designed by Keys, who is deeply in love with Millie. That's a really nice, sweet moment, as I was mentioning before. Um, the moment is replicated in the game as well. Joel touched upon this earlier um, because, you know, there's this big embrace at the end where Millie and Keys run and they meet each other and they embrace and they realize that they love each other. And that moment is replicated by Guy reuniting with his best friend, Buddy. And I think that that moment is even sweeter for me because contrary to what Alex was saying when, you know, we start off where like, Guy is the central love interest and then it becomes Keys. I think Guy has this moment of realisation that he doesn't need the girl in the end. The love of his friend is more special to him. And I just want you guys to know that I feel the same way. And I will, will say as well that Jodie Comer is brilliant. Does know this? I don't tell <laughs> Don't listen to Siobhan. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think uh, Jodie Comer, once again, brilliant as she is in everything. And she gets a million points as well for being an Everton supporter. And uh... <laughs> I know. Okay, that's. Uh, I think there's some good, good comebacks on both sides there. Does anyone want to do? Do you want a little closing arguments? Very short summary for anything that we've not captured. Not you, Gav. You can go second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave, do you want to have a quick the final word on the prosecution? Yeah, uh, one final point that I'm just going to raise here is: I know it's meant for kids. You know, it's meant to be a family film. There is no sense of peril at any point even when you watch like a decently made kids film you feel like there's there's something on the line here you know the stakes are high with this you don't get that feeling you know when little ray harry gets deleted i'm not concerned because i know he's coming back i'm not concerned about free city because i know it's it's all going to be fine in the end there is no concern there is no peril there is nothing to keep you drawn in and invested and i think a lot of that is is down to the fact that they chose taika waititi as a villain now i love taika waititi but he's so likable even when he's on the screen trying to be dastardly, you like him. You want to see more of him. You know, he's a very enjoyable character, very likable man. So you just don't, you don't get the peril because you don't believe the villain is really going to be that villainous. And I think there's that. And you just the way that the whole feel of the film just doesn't feel like there is anything at stake. It's uh, you just let it wash over you and you can't really get engrossed in that. Oof. Okay, that's a pretty damning closing statement, to be fair. Uh, Joel, Gav? Who wants to fire off last? Um, I mean, Dave kind of almost counteracted his own point, I would say. You know, he said it's a family film and, you know, there isn't too much peril. And I'd kind of agree with that. But I don't think it takes anything away from the film whatsoever. It, it It's about the journey, you know, kind of seeing what happens and how it happens rather than, you know, the excitement. You're not expecting these guys to get dusted or something like that at the end. Um <clears throat> So I don't think it's one of those films where you're going to be sat on the edge of your seat. It's just an enjoyable film. You know, it's a, it's a really great ride. And visually and both kind of storyline-wise, it, it's never been done before. And I think it's uh, definitely worth a watch. Uh, go on, Alex. You can have a very short one. I, I agree with Dave. But then again, I did. I think at the end of Toy Story 3, it would have been better if they had all died. So maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe my opinion shouldn't matter. Oof. And then, uh, Gav, go on for your final, final thoughts. I, I will say having a very charismatic and likable villain in the film, it, you know, it, it's not a bad thing because yeah, like one, yeah, one of Dave's favourite films is uh, Robin Hood. 
<laughs> but you know, I will say that this movie is just very enjoyable. It bridges the gap between gamers and non-gamers and appeals to all by being funny and fun movie with a likable cast portraying relatable and likable characters. I will say that this movie went through an incredibly tough time with pushbacks and the buyout of 20th Century Fox by Disney, delayed releases even before and during COVID. And I think because of this, expectations were low with some thinking that maybe it was just another case of being like New Mutants. But it smashed it out of the park and earned one of the top 10 movie box offices in the era of COVID, which is no mean feat. And finally, I use my wife as a barometer to measure the success of this movie because she doesn't like video games or gaming culture at all. She doesn't like any action films or fancy films, but she really liked this film. Maybe because it starred Ryan Reynolds and she probably has a little lady boner for him. But, you know, who doesn't? But also... <laughs> She liked it because it didn't alienate her with too many pop culture references and in-jokes and was a funny and engaging movie which didn't take itself too seriously. As she watched Ready Player One, because that sounds like she'd fucking hate that one. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's and did, you, about... did, did you just basically say that she's totally not got her finger on the pulse and wouldn't get any <laughs> relevant jokes? <laughs> she's uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fair enough. Okay, thank you very much. I've got a lot to mull over here. Um, I'm hoping that there's some sort of computer game movie-based quiz. On the there game. is a quiz. There is a quiz. Um, so, so I will say that uh, I've only slapped this together very last minute because um, somebody else should have been writing the quiz. Not pointing any fingers, but it was me, right? But this quiz <laughs> is all about our leading man of the film, Ryan Reynolds. So it's uh, 12 questions all about Mr. Ryan Reynolds. I would like you all to make a Ryan Reynolds-themed buzzer noise to answer the questions. Starting with question number one. How tall is Ryan Reynolds in centimetres? I do. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say 193 centimetres. Ooh, okay. Anybody else? I will say that he's the exact same height as me. Uh, so if, if that helps you out at all. It doesn't. Um, no. <laughs> Hundred and ninety-seven centimeters. I'm and I'm not that tall. Uh this my Reynolds either. I, I work in feet and inches. I have no idea how tall this is. hundred and eighty-seven centimeters. I'm gonna give it to Alex because it's nearly Bob on 188 centimeters. Oh, wow. Okay. Number two. That's what Joel was gonna guess. It was yeah. well. What's your guess, Joel? Off. I guess 188 centimeters. Well done, Joel. You get the points. You get the take it away. <laughs> now, number two, Ryan Reynolds had a fear of flying after a bad skydiving experience as a teenager. But which film of his helped him conquer this fear? So, what film that Ryan Reynolds has appeared in helped him conquer his uh, fear of flying? Dave. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, that's noise. Uh, Deadpool 2? No, not Deadpool uh, 2. Joel. I, I don't know. Honk. Alex. Six Underground or whatever that. One no, was. I'd say it was earlier than both Deadpool 2 and 1 and Six Underground as well. But Blade Trinity. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Uh, was, he that, was he the Green Lantern guy? Yes, Green Lantern. Well done, Green Lantern. Uh, because he had to do a lot of high wire work. And yeah, it, it probably did give him a fear of appearing in a really shit film though. So, you know, it swings him <laughs> around about, isn't it? Uh, next question. What's another reason why Ryan Reynolds probably doesn't regret appearing in the film Green Lantern? Honk. Um, Alex. He met his wife, Blake Lively, on it. Well done. Points to Alex. He did meet his wife, Blake Lively. 
Number four. What year did Ryan Reynolds receive his start on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Honk. Alex. Trick question. He hasn't. Ooh, good answer. It's wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> I like your thinking, though. Very lateral um, thinking. Um, 2018. Oof. High or low than 2018, Joel? 2019. I was going to say 2014. Oh, well, it's 2016, so I'm going to give a point to Ozzy and a point to Dave. Now, number five, Ryan Reynolds turned down a role in which high school set 90s TV show because he had such a shit time in high school and he couldn't be asked reliving it. Um, Dave. Saved by the Bell? No, a bit later than Saved by the Bell. I'd say it's Alex. Dawson's Creek? No, late 90s, early noughties. I will say that somebody on this call fucking loves it. Oh, Buffy. The well done, Dave. It is Buffy. He turned down well, the Buffy role of because he hated being in high school so much. Uh, you could. Yes. That would have been very different, wouldn't it? It would have. It would have. Uh, and also, it, well, I won't spoil that one because it's a question later on. So, number hmm. six, he has appeared in three Marvel movie franchises. What are they? Blade. Yeah. Um, Deadpool. Wolverine. And, and X-Men. X-Men. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give Alex the points, even though he didn't buzz. Uh, but I'll get Al- one point for Alex, two points for Joel. Right, number seven. How many years was Reynolds trying to make the film Deadpool 4? So how many years was he trying to get that made? Seven. Seven. Higher or lower than seven? Alex? I was going to say seven, so I'll say six. Okay. Seven, Joel? Nine. I'm going to say 25. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Not 25. I'm going to give it to Dave. It was 11. So, Dave, you were mm-hmm. closest without going over. Okay, number eight. What was the name of the restaurant-based sitcom that he starred in for 81 episodes? Restaurant-based sitcom? Really? No. Yeah. What, what was he in? Do you remember? No. No? No, I don't know. Two guys, a girl, in a pizza place? Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. I still really like that, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it was it was it was amazing, but um, I've totally gone off my radar. I'd forgotten all about it, even yeah, existing. Yeah. Right, well, uh, well, you all, well, well, you don't get any points for that. So, next question, number nine. Here we go. This is a more relevant one. Which football team has he just become owner of? Hulk. Ah, uh, Alex, go on. Wrexham. Well done. And Alex, where uh, on a map is Wrexham? Point to it. Now, next question. Who does he joint own the team with? Um, uh, so, Dave. Rob McElhenney. Well done. Yes, well done, Dave. Number 11. What is the name of Ryan Reynolds' gin, as mentioned before by me? Uh, Aviator Joel. Gin. What was that? Aviator gin. Oof, not quite. Anybody else want to make, change that? Oh, Alex Swooping into steel. It is aviation. aviation. Joel, I you must feel like a right know. prick yeah. now. <laughs> can, can Joel have the point? No, he can't. He can't. Uh, he has to I take a shot at point. <laughs> <laughs> right, and finally, what is the name of the mobile phone company that he co-owns? It's a type of suite. You get it in After Eights. Mint. Yes. Yeah, I should uh, have, I should have said. Yeah, it, Mint, Mint Mobile. I'll give that point to Ozzy there. So uh, just looking at that, I think... Shocking name. 
I think it was around before. I don't think he had anything to do with it. Although he did oh. name Aviation Gin, I imagine. So if you've got any criticisms about that, you can. Did he name it. it after his love of flying, which we've just talked about him not having? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he named it about what he needed to drink after uh, to get him to do with those high <laughs> Right. Uh, okay, so um, yeah, winner is Dave, and Dave, you win a shot of aviation gin at the lads' weekend next oh, week. Sweet. <laughs> Do we have some aviation gin? I, I think we should I, get we some. Just yeah, in we case. should get some in. Shouldn't we? We should have only uh, movie star based drinks. Well, Doesn't the rock have tequila? Easily yeah. could. Yeah. No, you know, um, with, with George Clooney has tequila. Dan Aykroyd has that school vodka, doesn't he? He's got school vodka. Um, Danny DeVito has a limoncello brand. Paul Newman has salad cream. There we go. Paul Newman salad cream. There we go. That'll be going in the shit mix. <laughs> oh, fantastic, Eddie. Thank you for that quiz, Gav. Well done. It's such short, short, short notice. Um, I was a pretty thing. It's a pretty tough one when you know for a film that I've like I've literally just seen its title page come up on the uh, the Disney Plus. So I don't know anything about it at all. So it's hard to. Um, to always pull apart and try and work out what people are saying as well when we're not in a room together to see whether you're being uh, truthful or disingenuous. So it's, it's been quite a hard one to really wrap up. But I think I've kind of totted up slightly more positives than negatives in here. And there seem to be a few uh, concessions from, from the prosecution regarding things like the jarringness of the, of the CGI and the transition to the world. You know, I've been getting a little bit tired of Ryan Reynolds recently because I think he's actually, you know, I've kind of fed it to you is that I feel like he is turning into Will Ferrell. And, and You're really going to hate this fucking <laughs> Christmas film that's coming out with him and Will Ferrell, isn't it? Yeah, I think I am. I, um, so I was just, so I was quite interested to find that, that nobody really thought that was the case or that it was too annoying that, that he was just being Ryan Reynolds and it didn't really, didn't seem like anyone was completely convincing me that 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 was a, that was a a game changer. So for me, it's gonna it's gonna sit on the hit list. I feel like maybe I've been too generous recently, but yeah, it's gonna sit on the hit list. Um, so well done to uh, Gavin Joel. Thank you very much, Ozzy. So that's a gen honest opinions. I'll go first. I really like the film. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean. I wasn't um, stretching the truth at all. I did really enjoy it. I can definitely see what Alex and Dave were talking about, a couple of points. Uh, I think the final, the, the sort of ending could have been a little better. I think the, the I, I quite like the final battle between him and, and um, jacked up guy, whatever that character was called, dude. But yeah, after that, it was just a case of him running on the bridge and it was a little bit CGI heavy. But overall, I thought it was a really good film, really entertaining. And as I said, there were people there who were all, of all ages in the cinema and they were all having a good time. There was like, we were sat next to a bunch of like really small kids and then the people behind us were like in the 70s and they were all laughing. So I think it, 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 it did a good job, to be honest. Uh, so, uh, Joel? Uh, yeah, I liked it as well. I thought it was like really original and, and unique. I did find it like a little bit kind of boring, I suppose, kind of going between real worlds and, and uh, gaming worlds. But yeah, it's important to the story. So yeah, it definitely made the right decision for me. Okay, and here is the interesting bit. Dave, liked it or hated it? I quite liked 
But to be honest with you, I thought this was it was a tricky one to prosecute. I mean, it's not a great film. It's not going to you know sweep the board come award season. But it's it's a solid film that just does exactly what it set out to do. It's a good family entertainment, solid comedy, likable lead in Ryan Reynolds. It doesn't really put a foot wrong when you think about what it was trying to achieve in the first place. So this was actually quite a tricky one to prosecute. I didn't make up my criticisms of it, but they are not necessarily my own. I had to like look at what other criticisms were being thrown about at it and try and clap past them off as my own thoughts. I, I like the film. I thought you know they did a good uh, job of creating the virtual world. I did like you know when he goes to check his bank account and he's got more money in it, and there's someone glitching in the background. Like just jumping up and down and then trying to go into a wall and just freezing and <laughs> juddering into the wall. <laughs> just, I like little touches like that, that if you're watching in the background that you see and you, it just feels like a video game. And yeah, it wasn't as CGI heavy as the likes of Ready Player One. I did like Ready Player One, but it is nice to see them do a more set-based and tactile-esque film, uh, especially in a video game. Yeah, it's it's hard to criticize this one. It's uh, It's a pleasant watch. And finally, this is the really interesting one. Alex, did you like it or no? I actually thought I was defending it. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so it was a bit like when it when it first began, I was like, uh oh, like let's pivot but, a little bit here. That's funny I think to I be just, honest, because I thought I was prosecuting it. Yeah, so maybe, course, maybe, we <laughs> maybe maybe we were then. Shit, man, I, maybe uh, I got it wrong. I, I'm sorry. It's all right, don't worry. I uh, I really like Free Guy. <clears throat> it's not perfect, but you know, it doesn't need to be. It's it's just a fun family flick. And uh, you know, in a way it sort of reminds me, remember when we were talking about um uh, galaxy quest and how that's got a nice way because it's like it's it's nice how it's talking about the fans it's obviously done from a good place yeah the way it's kind of parodying something that it really loves well i think you can you can see the fact that there's a lot of gamer people have put input into this and it's making fun of gamers but in a very light-hearted and genuine way that i think people would understand and, like and not bullying in any way not yeah. bullying and not and not and not a lot of you know, there's one character who's kind of like a, a guy who lives at home with his mum and is played by Channing Tatum, and that's funny. But there's not loads of just having a go at, at, at gamers. Um, and one thing as well, it probably has the best message about game violence without being preachy. Like, yeah. obviously, you know, it knows that game violence is an issue and stuff like that, but it actually tackles it really interestingly, talking about, you know, what, what, what people do to these non-player characters. You know, it's not going as far as to say don't do it but it's just it's an interesting look at it and i don't think you could have written it if you didn't have a love of of games yourself mm -hmm. so um yeah i really liked it it's not perfect but i do i do really like that film I'd, i really like that message as well because we were having a conversation about this quite recently we were talking about red dead redemption 2 and i live red dead redemption 2 as if it was me as a cowboy right and i had like you know the good bad barometer you know how good you are on a scale of naught to 100 or whatever it's like 100 percent good you know like i i i felt really guilty if i accidentally caused somebody's death in it and uh i, I remember in a way like you were living a better life on red dead i mean <laughs> yeah. i definitely yeah, I wouldn't put your barometer anywhere near that in, <laughs> in real life no but I, but I remember talking to you guys about it and you were like oh god no 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 we just do whatever we want you know like i think it was either alex or joel showed me your your screen once and it was just like you couldn't enter any part of the map because you were wanted to five stars in every single yeah. uh, section of i'm it. always evil in games to be honest so. yeah. it's <laughs> more know, interesting though isn't it you know what i mean like yeah yeah 
I mean, if, I if, you, like if you're playing Red Dead like... and you're actually like skinning animals and like just like cooking for yourself, it's like Jesus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to do a nice little bit of fishing every now and again. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you went on a fishing trip, Alex. So... <laughs> I, I did go on a little fishing trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what he didn't tell you is that you caught the fish by throwing dynamite into the pond. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, right, so thank you very much for your arguments, guys. Really well appreciated. And thank you very much. Anybody who's listened to this episode, really do appreciate every single one of you for listening. And if you like the episode, please share the news, share with your friends, your family, your loved ones, and leave us a nice five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Just share the good news that is Films on Trial in as many years as possible. If you like our content, check us out on filmsontrial.co.uk for more Films on Trial content. Or check us out on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, Films on Trial, or Twitter at Film Trials. So we are going to be directly in your ears next week with our special 200th episode as we put the James Bond film No Time to Die on trial. Please tune in. It'll be a very good episode. There'll be a very special quiz, hopefully a couple of guests, and we're going to have a right laugh. And it'll just be nice to actually see you all in person and actually be able to look into your eyes while I'm insulting you as well. So look forward to that. Anyway, that is it. Free Guy is a hit, and we're going to be in those ears next week with No Time to Die. Goodbye. You could have got away with saying, like, and Daniel Craig might be there next week as a guest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, anything's possible. Anna de Arnas might turn up. You never know.